0: Today is Vacation Bible School Sunday, and it's my favorite time um, of the year. It really is. I mean, I love Christmas and all the holidays and all that kind of stuff, but Vacation Bible School Sunday is my favorite time because you get to see kids like these guys here, and you get to see the the, the emotion and the, the, the passion that the kids have. And I love being a part of a church that wants to make memories of the master in the lives of these children i love being a part of a church that that wants to do something special for the kids so that they are are, are have something that goes in their little minds that they look back on and say, Man, I remember there was this time where man everybody just got excited and there were people all out on the on the front steps and they were all in costumes and, and we sang together and, and we whoop whooped together and, and we, we talked about God and we and you know these little kids they they don't remember necessarily a, a ton of stuff that goes on during Bible school when it comes to sometimes all the the different knowledge. Sometimes we try to pack into them. I mean, you you guys know because many of you went to Bible school and it's hard for you to remember all the things, but you know what does stick into their mind. The same thing that oftentimes is stuck into your mind. Moments. Moments that that stand out and and they're so special. I can remember my dad, uh, when I was a part of Bible school, he wore a refrigerator box because he was Mr. Bible. And, and he wore this refrigerator box, and, and they, had, they had put a, they put the, like a cover of a Bible on the front. And at a certain point in vacation Bible school, here would come Mr. Bible. And he would come walking out with a refrigerator box, and, and you'd have to, some kid would get to come up and turn the pages of Mr. Bible. And all the kids were like, oh, I want to turn the pages of Mr. Bible, because Mr. Bible had candy. All right? Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Bible had candy. And so if you got to turn the pages, then you got some candy. And all of a sudden, an arm would disappear into the box. And then candy would come flying out the side of the Bible. And, you know, <laughs> I, and, and, you know, I don't remember a lot of, I don't remember a lot of the Bible verses. I don't remember the Bible verses. Come, but I remember the Bible. I remember the Bible. I remember Mr. Bible. I remember the, the joy that that, that brought. And, and so that's what we're trying to do here with our kids. And I'm so excited. Like I said, it's my favorite Sunday. I love it so much. And, and our kids are going to be coming back in here in a few moments. And, and they're going to have a special invitation by the characters that are going to be teaching many of the Bible lessons uh, during the week. And so that's going to be a special a special thing. Uh, today also marks the um, uh, our nine year anniversary. Our family here with East Brainerd Congregation, and so uh, we're finishing up nine years, going into the year number ten. And so, on behalf of Tanya, and um, thank you. On behalf of uh, Tanya and Emily and Micah, I just want to say thank you for all of, of your encouragement through the years and for the way in which you have been a light in this community because you have made being the, the preacher here, the, the minister of this congregation easier because of the way in which you have gone about uh, your life and the way that you have allowed us to be a part of, of your life and we greatly appreciate that. And, and so it's just a great, man, it's just a great day. I'm just excited. Derek, are you excited today? Excited. Man, all right. I hope everybody else is excited. Uh, I hope, hope you're excited. If you're not excited, there we go. If you're not excited, I hope you're, you're going to be by the time that we leave. Because last week, Last week we uh, talked about a guy named Mo, and, and I said, you're gonna, you know the story of Moses, so I told you that I was gonna tell you the story of, of Mo, somebody that maybe you had never heard of. And I, I share with you the story of Mo from Genesis chapter 3, you might have noticed on the slides. And some of you began looking for Mo in Genesis chapter 3 and, and didn't find him. That's because Mo does not exist what Moses does in Exodus chapter 3, and, and yes, I messed up on all those slides and had all the wrong um, names of the Bible um, books on there, uh, but someone pointed out, they said, you know what, Chris, said, that's, just a, um, that's just a way in which you were trying to see who was going to Check one, two, there we go. They said that was just a way that you were trying to figure out who was going to be listening and paying attention because you would know at the end and people came up to you and said, you know what, I looked in Genesis chapter 3 and couldn't find Mo. You would know how many people were actually in the Word, paying attention and following along and oh boy, were there a bunch of you following along. (laughs) They were like, you know, after nine years, we thought you would know the books of the Bible, you know, we thought... Just thought you'd know where the um, where the story of Moses Moses was. So, toy so Last week we learned that God sometimes. He calls ordinary people to do some extraordinary things, to engage in acts of extraordinary trust. And we saw where it was Moses who, while he was out taking care of his father-in-law's sheep, he saw this bush that was burning off in the distance and he noticed he didn't burn up. So he went over to see what the big commotion was. And when he got there, the Lord spoke to him through that bush and told him that he was going to be God's leader. He was going to be the one that God was calling to go and to rescue the Hebrews, the Israelites who were slaves in Egypt. Now you go back in God's story and you might remember that Joseph and his brothers, they died and their descendants, the Israelites, they grew in number in Egypt. And they grew so large that they became a very mighty power. So powerful in fact that the leader of Egypt became afraid that the Israelites might one day join with the enemies of Egypt. And so scripture says that the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. But the more pressure that the Egyptians put on the Israelites, the more they they grew in number. And they kept growing and growing. And so for 400 years, the Egyptians oppressed the Israelites. And for 400 years, the people of God just continued to thrive and grow in steady number. Until one day, by the fire of a burning bush, God said to Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware. I have heard of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into the land, into their own land that is fertile and spacious. Now, it's going to take some time for Egypt to be convinced to give up their slave labor. And if you've never read that story there in Exodus, if you've never read about how God uses these plagues and all the things that take place, it's a great story. I'll give you just a little bit of a hint. It doesn't end well for the Egyptians, all right? It doesn't end well for the Egyptians, but the Israelites are eventually allowed to leave. And it seems like it would be a pretty good thing. They're going to leave, and they're going to go in a direction and go down a road that is pretty fairly well traveled. See, there was this road called the Way of the Sea. And the Way of the Sea led out of Egypt and led in the direction of this spacious land that God had prepared for his people. And it was a road that many people used. It was a very scenic highway, actually. And so all they had to do, some two to three million, had to leave Egypt. They had to go on this road and and take off. It was going to be about a 175-mile journey. On this widely traveled road. It's got some scenery. It's not too bad. So I thought, hey, let me see if I can put this in today's context. Uh, From here to Birmingham is about 150 miles. And and so I put in um, on my phone uh, that distance and then there was this little, there was this little dude that walks. Did y'all know that that's on your phone? That you can, you, you can like not only find out how long it's going to take you to get somewhere in your car, but you can hit this hiker dude and it's going to let you know how long it takes you to walk. I mean, I never knew that that was you can tell by looking at me, I never knew that that was there. <laughs> and, and so I hit it, and, and, and here's what it says that it would take two days, two days and five hours to walk from Chattanooga. To, um, you know, to, to Birmingham. Now, now, in my mind, I think that's being um, just a little aggressive, okay? Um, I guess that's if you, don't, if you don't eat, if you don't sleep, I mean, if you just take off. But let's just say you decide to walk this. You decide to walk this and you're going maybe, let, let's say 20 miles, all right? Let's say we're going to go 20 miles a day. It's going to take you a little over a week, a little over a week to go from Chattanooga to, to Birmingham. So the Israelites, remember they've got 2 to 3 million of them that are going to have to go. 175 miles. And so let's just be generous and say a month, okay? Let, let's give them four weeks to be able to travel from Egypt to the land that God has prepared for them. But that's not how it goes. Instead, God takes them on a, on a different path. He doesn't take them on the direct route. And the direct route, here's how we're going to define it. The direct route is going to be the shortest distance. It's going to be the scenic route. It's going to be the route that everybody else takes. And if you haven't learned this yet, you need to. God is not a big fan of the direct route. He's just not. If you haven't experienced this yet in your own life, um, let me just give you a tip. God doesn't necessarily choose the shortest distance, the most scenic route, the most popular route. And that's what he does here with with the Israelites. They don't take the direct route. Instead, they go a different path. In fact, they go in the opposite direction. They go in the opposite direction and they leave Egypt and they go to this place called Mount Sinai. Now this is where God is going to give them the Ten Commandments. It's where they're going to learn about the tabernacle. It's where they're going to get instructions about all the different sacrifices that they are going to be making century after century after century. And they're going to stay there at Mount Sinai for an entire year here in this region. And I think the primary reason why they make this pit stop I mean, really, they're going in the opposite direction and now they're going to spend a year in this place. We were just going to give them a month, right? But it's because they had spent a generation in Egypt. Generations even in Egypt. More than 400 years. Longer than we have been a nation, they were slaves in Egypt. And all that time, they were being told how to, to think and act like slaves. Weak and, and powerless. They were, they were raised to be victims and they have a God who is strong and they have a God who is able and they have a God who has power but they don't know that God well yet. They don't understand him. And so God takes them into the desert to Sinai where he can guide them and where he can protect them and where he can provide for them. Where he can reconnect with his people before leading them, leading them into the promised land. And here's something we need to learn. Anyone who wants to grow will log some time in the desert. Anybody who wants to grow is going to log some time in the desert. And everybody who God wants to grow, he's going to lead you there. I mean, it wasn't just Moses and the Israelites. You even fast forward in your biblical mind there and you remember that Jesus, before he begins his ministry, where does he end up going? Into the desert? And just as God would send his son into the desert, just as God would allow him to be tried there, just as God would allow him to be strengthened there, the same thing happens to those who follow and answer God's call. Because God uses desert experiences to prepare ordinary people for extraordinary service. If you desire to be used by God... Whether you're young or whether you're old, you say, you know what, I really want, I want to be involved in the kingdom and I want to make an, an impact. Just know this, you will log time in the desert. That is where God tests and that is where God proves and that is where God strengthens and that is where God makes you understand what weaknesses you have so that you can depend on his strength. So after a year in the area of Mount Sinai, they're ready for the journey. They're ready to head out to the promised land. And God gives them this supernatural GPS. They have a cloud during the day. They have fire to follow at night. And after this pit stop, they continue on. And, and it's still, it should just be, again, let's just give them a month. Let's give them a month to make this trip. In fact, at the very beginning of Deuteronomy, it says it takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea, which is just on, just on the south side of Canaan. That's all it was going to take. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but whenever I put anything into my phone, GPS, it's like a competition. Because your phone is going to tell you how long it's going to take to get to wherever it is that you're trying to go, right? And and so I'll look at my phone, and I'll see the time that it tells me, and I'll be like, I can beat that. (laughs) Yeah, and, and, and it becomes a competition, And I'll keep my phone close by and I'll check it periodically to see if I'm cutting down on that time. I'm like, I'm going to beat it. It's going to be wrong. It does not know where I am. And can you imagine how Moses must have felt? He pulls it out and he's like, all right, 11 days, we've got this. And then 39 years later, they finally make it to the promised land. It took 39 years. They got close. They got right up to the front door one time. They went right up to the suburbs of Canaan and then because the people were overcome by fear, they were too afraid to go in. You see, it took one night to get the Israelites out of Egypt but 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. And years later, Moses would give a speech. And he would give a speech where he would go over the history of his time with the Israelite people. And some of the saddest words ever recorded in your Bible are found in Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 1. When he says, they came to the suburbs of Canaan, but then we turned back and we set out towards the desert. We got this close. Got this close to where God was leading. This close to what we had always wanted and heard about. And then we turn back. It's the time in Israel's history that's known as the wandering. And they spent 39 years then after that wandering in the desert. Because God doesn't take the most direct route. And when there are periods of faithlessness in us, and when there are those times where we have our weaknesses that are being just shown to us over and over and over, God says, you know what, maybe some wandering will do you a little good. Wandering, this is how we're going to define it. Wandering is living in the space between, between where I started and where I want to be. It's that space that's in between. And God does a lot of work while we're in that space. Living in the space between graduating and then getting that first job. Living in the space between dating and getting married. Living in the space between having a family and then having a child. Living in the space between the diagnosis and the remission. Living in the space between getting into debt and then getting out of debt. Living in the space between being let go and then finding new employment. Living in the space between saying goodbye to a loved one and being reunited again one day in heaven. And it's that space where... Where we oftentimes just find ourselves living and grinding and doing life. And yet it's in that space that scripture says that there is the opportunity for us to experience joy. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem to go together. How can there be joy when you are wandering? How can there be joy when you're not yet to where you want to be? How can you experience joy when you don't yet have what it is that you want? James would write about this in the New Testament. He said, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And he says, here's why. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. James is saying, look, if you're in the desert... God has not forgotten you. You are not necessarily being punished. But you are in a position to grow in a way that you will be talking about for the rest of your life. So rejoice, he says. Because you are being transformed into the image of Jesus. And if Jesus locked time in the desert, then don't you think probably you will also? Also. I love what John Ortberg, the author, says. He's like, you know what? There's something that could change our life if we would just if we would just learn four little words and use them often. He says, if we would just say four little words, it could be worse. Will you say those words with me? You ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. It could be worse. It could be worse, right? We don't, we don't normally say those things. We normally say, well, it's not fair. And we normally say things like, well, I deserve better. But what if we just said, you know what? It, it could be worse. It could be worse. So that means when you go home today and you, you walk into your house or to your apartment and you look around and you think, man, I really wish I had their house. Or I wish I had, you know, his apartment. You just look at everything and you say, it could be worse. Yeah. And the next time you step out of the shower and you make the mistake of looking at yourself in the mirror. And and, and you're tempted to say, you know what? If only I had if only I had his body, if only I had her metabolism. Well, you're not going to say that anymore. Instead, you're going to say, it could be worse, right? And so tomorrow morning when you wake up, you're going to roll over and you're going to look at your spouse and you're going to say, um, <laughs> but... but, but but here's the thing: it could be worse, right? I mean, it it could be. Um, we just need a little perspective. That's all. And but here's the inescapable conclusion, guys: when you consider the Hebrews' story and as you experience your own, leave here today understanding that God is not in a hurry like you are. God's not in a hurry. I mean we've seen it consistently as we've studied. Abraham was told I'm going to make you the father of many nations and then he waited and waited and waited for decades before finally there was a son. Joseph has a dream, a dream that that he is going to to have his own family be bowing down to him and then And then he waits, and he goes through a time of of slavery, and he's a prisoner. and, And 13 some years later, it would finally happen. For 40 years, Moses is in the desert. 40 years, he's in the desert taking care of sheep before he even starts the journey that will end some 40 years later. God is not in a hurry. What should have taken 11 days sometimes ends up taking 39 years. And I think this is the reason why. Because God most often is more concerned about who I am becoming than where I am going. God is very much concerned with the inner man, the inner woman. And that's hard for us because we're all about the destination. We're all about getting there. But God's more concerned about who you're going to be once you make it. And so he's going to be doing some work on his people while they are there in this desert. They've got some things to figure out. And there's not a lot of distractions in the desert. And so he's going to work on his people because he's ultimately more concerned about who they're going to be when they go into the land. And it's true with our lives. We want to get the waiting over with. But what God does to us while we're waiting is oftentimes, well, it's more important than whatever it is we're waiting for. You see, there can be joy in the wandering because wandering is a part of becoming. Wandering is a part of becoming who God wants us to be, it's God's joy story. It's how God takes ordinary men and women, young and old, with every color and and language under the sun, and he takes ordinary people, weak and fearful and filled with doubt, and then he oftentimes leads them through the desert experience of life, and he brings them out on the other side, and they're strong, and they're faithful, and they're confident, and they're prepared to join him on his mission of redemption. So if you find yourself today, and you're looking at your life And you say, you know what? I'm just wandering. I just feel like I'm going around in circles. Well, take heart and rejoice even because God is molding you right now. He's changing you right now. He's preparing you right now for an amazing opportunity. You see, God does some of his best work in the desert. He does. And if you want to follow him and if you want to be used by him, then you're going to log some time there. And God's not going to get in any type of hurry because he is more concerned about who you are becoming than where it is that you are going. But here's what he asks In the midst of the wondering, will you be faithful? Will you be faithful? See, the Israelites, as they are going to be wandering, they decide, you know what? This guy Moses really doesn't know what he's doing. We just need to, we need to elect another leader and we need to to go back. We need to go back. And sometimes it can, it can seem so easy it can seem so easy just to turn around and just to, to give up and just say, you know what? I'm just going to go back to my other life. I'm going to go back to my, my other thoughts and attitudes, just the person that I used to be. That's what I'm going to do because all I'm doing here is just wandering and I don't see an end to it. And God says, but you're missing it. You're missing it. The point is not the destination. The point is who you're becoming during this process. And so will you be faithful and allow God to work on your soul? Allow God to work on your soul. Allow God to work on your attitude. Allow God to work on your pride. Allow God to work on the relationships that you have. Allow God to work in your marriage. Allow God to work in your friendships. Allow God to work in that dating relationship. Allow God to work in the church. Will you be faithful and allow Him to make the change that He desires to make? Because then, man, when you come to the end and you see who you are and you see what God has done, well, then all of a sudden you, you can't help. You can't help but, but start to say, He has turned my morning into dancing. Woo, 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 woo. Right? Sure, you went through periods of mourning. Sure, you went through times in the desert. But God is turning that around. And God is changing it. And God is molding you. And so therefore, be filled with joy in the wandering. Because when it's all said and done, and when the wandering is over, you will not be the same person that you are now. You won't. Because you're being changed by God. Maybe you'd like to have God change you today. Maybe you've never come to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never confessed your faith in him. Maybe you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins. We'd love to celebrate with you. We have a baptistry that's back here. You can't see it right now. Man, we'll take this down and we will celebrate with you if you'd like to be baptized this morning. Or if you're one of those individuals, you're just going and you're just wandering around in circles. You're like, you know what? I could really use the prayers of this church for strength to be faithful in this process. Then we would love to know about that and to wrap our arms around you. We're going to have some of our elders that will be down here in the front would love to be able to receive you, to be able to, to pray for you. Whatever your need might be, we want to encourage you Encourage you as a family to respond in any way that you need. And as we continue and sing this song of worship together, will you sing as individuals who, even though you might be in the midst of the wandering, understand that there is still joy. Let's stand and sing.